Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. They were gathered together on the little shingle at the edge of the lake, crouching down and washing their nets in the water, thinking to themselves not much need to wash the nets, not many fish today or yesterday. They're watching the sun just begin to create a glow in the eastern sky, realizing that the wind is coming from the west, that it's gonna be hot, even hotter than it's been, that the winds are gonna blow, the kind of winds that we in Southern California know as the Santa Anas, and a small flat lake like Galilee, the winds can pile the waves up to six or eight or 10 feet or higher and make it downright treacherous to be on the water. And as they are doing their work, they're not talking much because they haven't caught much. The waves are whooshing in gently and then rattling back out across the pebbles at their feet. Their hands doing the work that they've done for so many years without even thinking about it and they're attending to the hundred and some odd different tasks that have to be done so you can put today's work to bed and be ready for the whole thing to start again tomorrow. Push the boat out into the water. You light the torches to attract the fish. You drop the trammel nets, really three nets tied together. Floats on the top, weights about 10 feet down. Drawstrings that you can draw in. And you start at one place and you scribe a large arc until you've completed a circle. Could be 50 or 60 feet across or even more. The two outer nets in this net sandwich are big enough for fish to swim into. The middle one is where they get caught and then they get tangled as they try to get back out. And then you draw the bottom in first to drive the fish up and then you draw the top one in and it takes so much work to pull those nets in and to pull those nets in. Just the weights and the drag in the water alone would be enough, but with fish inside, it's backbreaking work. Only there have been no fish. And they work at a time, a time in the history of humanity when your work wasn't a way to secure personal advancement or to ensure an early retirement so you can play golf in your active years. To succeed at the work they were doing was to feed an entire village. Everyone depended upon their success. They took it hard when there was no fish because they knew that they were letting down more than just themselves. They were connected to a community that depended upon them going out into the water. And, and in that time and in that day, the water came to represent a spiritual realm, a place where all the spirits were more free to move about 
In apocalyptic literature in Jesus' time, the land was the realm of politics, but the sea was the realm of religion and of spiritual disturbance, of frisky spirits. Even today in Ghana, where we visited a few years ago, on Tuesdays, they never go out to fish. They believe that the the spirits of the ocean are more free to cause mayhem on Tuesdays. I don't know why, but it's something they adhere to. These vast fishing fleets just stay on the shore that day and they tie their nets and they mend the things that need mending and they look after their families' matters. And so there were the fishermen stretching out their nets, rinsing their nets, trying to get the work done. One boat already up on the shore, the other waiting to be emptied and wondering where the fish are going to come from when the weather isn't cooperating and everything is conspiring against them. And then, and you know, fishermen are the kind of people that, that they chose their profession because they kind of like to be left alone in their work. And then all of a sudden they heard the din and the noise Jesus had been moving all through Galilee, ministering, healing, casting out demons, teaching, calling, and a huge throng of people began to follow him. And he comes now to the place where these fishermen are gathered. He's up early to pray, and by the time the crowd finds him, they're coming after him and wondering what the next bit of teaching is gonna be. And they show up on this lake shore with the fishermen wondering now who brought this multitude to interfere with our work. There's still so much to be done. And Jesus looks at a man named Simon, Peter, and says, "Um, sorry about all this. They, They want me to do some more teaching. It's gonna be hard for them to hear unless maybe you can, uh, could you take me in this boat and just row me over into the middle of that cove right there? And I can, I can sit there and teach them, and they can just look around. And so Simon says, watch that you don't tangle yourself in the nets. We haven't cleaned this boat yet. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no, that's okay. And out they go. And Jesus begins to teach. And you put yourself in the boat with Simon that day. What's going through your mind? At first, good land, I hope he doesn't preach as long as the Methodists do. I've got got all this work to do. I've got all this work to tend to, and I've got to sit here and listen to to this guy. Do you think that Jesus' words had an effect on him? As gently as the waves whoosh in and rattle out, do you think the cadence of this incredible teacher from Nazareth began to wash over this man's soul, to bathe him, to catch him up in something as the light dawns after a long, dark night of fruitlessness. It dawns in a brand new way. Can you let yourself believe that? All too soon, he preached twice as long as the Methodists and the sermon was over. And he turned to Simon and he said, I'll tell you what, 
why don't you push out a little bit further into the deep water? Let's let your nets down one more time. What Simon didn't know, what nobody knew, what it doesn't really say in Scripture, but I have always come to believe, is that when the Son of Man, God's Savior, when Jesus came there that day, he was a light not only for those who were standing on the shore, but for all who lived in the sea. He was the mother of all torchlights, the great attractor, and all those obedient little fish just swam right up to hear the sermon too. Jesus' ministry in this case, took place on the margin between the land and the sea. In fact, his ministry always takes place in the margins. Every Methodist church I've ever served seems like it's stuck right between a really hard-bitten and stressed neighborhood and a really affluent neighborhood. Right in the margin. And we're in a margin of our own, if you think about it. We're on this side of the church. is City Hall, the place where they make all the rules. And on this side of the church, we have the homeless and the shops and the young people who come in at night and break all the rules. And God has put us right in the middle of it, in the margin. And people who live in a margin always have to choose who are you going to identify with? Who are you going to identify with? You can be nice to everybody. You can be polite to everybody. But when we go home at night, do we identify with wealth and power and privilege? Or do we identify with people who are having a hard time making it? And he said to Simon, let's go out to the deep water and let down the nets one more time. Lord, we've been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing. I know, give it a shot. And you know the rest of the story. So many fish, they threatened to break the net. So many fish, they had to call another boat out just to help drag the weight in. And Simon stood there in the boat looked at Jesus and fell to his knees because he was experiencing a miracle. Luke doesn't intend for us to explain this story in any other way. He wants us to leave it as a miracle. This is a manifestation of God upon the earth. It's an epiphany story. The eyes of Peter are being opened. The light is dawning in his life. A whole new reality. His chosen occupation in the world is taking on an entirely new meaning and he falls to his knees not because Jesus was a better fisherman than him but because he is absolutely gobsmacked by what he has just witnessed get away from me Lord get away from me I'm a sinful man you hear the echo of Isaiah or of any of the other prophets that God has called over the years? Do you hear Paul writing to Timothy? Listen, I was once the foremost of sinners, but God showed me ultimate 
patience so that I might testify to the grace of God. I don't know what it is about all of us, and we all do it, but when we finally sense that God has broken through in our lives, the very first thing we say is, get away from me, Lord. Get away. I'm not worthy for this. I can't do it. It's too much. It's too big. Jesus' word to all of that is, no, but saving your own life is too little. It's too small a thing. I've appointed my people to be a light to all the nations. You're a light. You're the torch. Simon, you come with me now, and I'm going to teach you how to catch people. Anthropus esse mogron. To hunt down the living ones and keep them alive. I get so frustrated sometimes when we make when we make analogies for coming to Christ like we're hanging trout on a stringer. Hey, I saved another soul today. Hey, I saved another soul today. Hey, I saved another soul today. When what Jesus was really saying is, I'm going to teach you to go out to where the people are kind of like the walking dead, living in a living hell, and I'm going to teach you to keep them alive for me, to bring them to life with me to shine their light into their life with me. I'm going to teach you how to hunt down and live capture. This is a big mission for the church. And the scriptures say, as soon as that boat scuffed up onto the shore, Simon leaped out of it and followed Jesus. One of the things we take from this story from Luke is that Jesus had already begun to be successful and he had already begun to attract. He had already begun to gather huge multitudes that the kingdom work is far bigger than one solitary man named Jesus could ever do and he needed help. He needed help. That's Luke's word to us that the gospel message needs more than just asking what would Jesus do. It has to also ask, what would Jesus have me do so that I can be involved in this mission? This is the great story that God is bringing to us today, that it's an involving ministry, that God needs our help. We are presenting the gospel of Jesus to the world Last week, we marveled with the congregation in Nazareth when we heard Jesus say, today, right now, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That was Jesus' word. And now Luke's word for us today is that if we are going to present the gospel to the rest of the world, brothers and sisters, we have to present the gospel in our own lives. We have to ask each and every day, what is God calling me to do? What is God asking me to do? There is a mission a God-given mission and a set of gifts that go with it for every man and woman in this church this morning. And in a moment, we're going to talk about one of those missions. But that doesn't let everyone else forgive the expression, off the hook. We are 
in it for life. I know what you do, many of you, to put bread on your table, but I want you to hear me now. What you do to put bread on your table is not who you are. What Jesus calls you to be is who you are. What Jesus calls us to say and to do, this is who we are. We are so much more than our occupations, every one of us. And honestly, that's the only thing that makes it possible for us to sit on the freeway and to make the commute and to do all the other things is the knowledge that we're so much more than what we do to have bread and a roof. Our mission is so much more than that. God needs workers. God needed help, and so he called these fishermen. And the second thing I want to say is that when we give our lives to Christ, it doesn't negate everything we've been before, but it gathers up all that we've been before, and it redirects it to a new purpose. If there are some in this congregation this morning who are feeling unworthy, feeling less than, feeling like you haven't amounted much, or, or you just want to say, God, get away from me, like my older brother who won't come in a church because he thinks it's going to fall down on his head. I tell him, you should see some of the guys I preach to every week. <laughs> I wasn't talking about any of you. Um, but if you're feeling that God can't possibly use you. And I want you to hear Luke say again, the calling that we have and the life that we live in Christ has nothing to do with our skills or our history and everything to do with the grace of God. Everything. If God calls you to it, God will see you through it and will bring everything you need to be faithful. This church has everything it needs to be faithful to God for what we are called to do in this day. Started out as a bad day at work and it ended up with Jesus kicking in the door to the kingdom of God and inviting, inviting Simon to walk with him. And Jesus stands at the door knocking again, even today. We are presenting the gospel of Jesus to the world. Could you dare to let him be present in your heart right now? Amen.